You guys, it's time for more. More stories, more possibility, more growth. I have practiced vulnerability my whole life, which I know sounds crazy, but soon you'll understand it's really true. Vulnerability is a popular word these days, but I made a commitment to myself as a young girl that I would show up as myself so that those around me would feel safe to do the same. This mindset has led to deep and fulfilling friendships. And what I started to notice is what's really easy for me is actually super hard for some people. So I want to help you to gain the confidence to step out and step up and be unapologetically yourself. When we're in proximity with people, we hear their real stories and we see them through different eyes and we can't not be changed. So here's what you need to know. This podcast is about more. More possibility comes from hearing people's stories and my hope is that when you see others get real, it will give you the permission to show up as who you were created to be. This podcast is centered around friendship and better understanding and I promise you will learn, obviously laugh, and grow if you click subscribe. But first, you've got to be ready for more. Meredith Nicole opened the Flamingo Room in Parksville on Vancouver Island in 2019. She wanted to help women improve the way their eyebrows look by cosmetic tattooing methods to achieve natural looking eyebrows. One of the coolest things about Meredith is that she adapts very easily to change and has developed some solid tools that she's going to share with us. We can learn from this, you guys. She's not uptight about getting messy and in fact, she lives it out and embraces it with style. Growing up, she witnessed what life could look like when someone doesn't look within and stay curious about the ways and possibilities that life could have. All communities have a frequency, and her childhood community was very destructive and fostered pain, poverty, sexual alcohol, and drug abuse, and the adults in her neighborhood were very limited by their belief that they could not change. Nothing in Meredith's spirit would allow her to create this way of living and she saw embracing change as the ticket to a better life and she relies on it all the time she believes we are all fluid creatures meant to embrace a very curious life continually changing and growing i hope you enjoy this episode thank you so much for being here today i'm super excited to have you on my podcast I know I'm super excited too. And I was just thinking how cool and special it is that we met pretty much a year ago and you met because I was holding a contest because I was new at my business. I'd only been open five months or something at that point and was trying to drum up business. So I held the contest and you won it. And now I get to be here at the beginning of your venture. And I just think that's super cool. That is super cool. Yeah. My face has never felt more appropriate until I came and had my eyebrows. What are they? Puff powdered, powdered, powdered brows. Oh, we'll just say all of that. You were not powdered, but we're, we're going to be doing that next on you. Microbladed, powdered, beautified. <laughs> so yeah, no, um, first of all, I just kind of want to tell you why I really, from the very beginning, as soon as I knew I, had, I wanted to have a podcast, I had about a list of five ladies. And yeah, I remember you, you just, saying that. Yeah, you yeah. just stuck out in my head as someone 
Um, you're truly a beautiful woman inside and out, Meredith. And I think it's that there's a gentleness to you. There's a humility to you that when I first met you, I was really taken by you. And then as I started to like, listen to you talk and, um, you know, go to you for my brows and stuff. I remember the first time you called about me, you know, winning this contest and I was so excited and, um, and you were, you just shocked me with how calm and professional you were. Like, I felt like you were a nurse. And what I loved about it was you wanted to make sure that whatever you were going to maybe do on my skin would actually be, it was like, it wasn't just like you were looking to take everybody. It was like, you were going to help people if it made sense for them and their skin type matching it with your skills, which I thought was so interesting. And immediately I was like, I just wanted to be picked still. <laughs> I was like, I just want to have the right answer. So I get picked, but yeah, I was just so taken, um, by how much it felt like, um, I don't know, like you were a dermatologist or you were a nurse. It was very technical and very professional and very calming. And from the very beginning, I was just so intrigued by you as a person. And then in spending time with you um, and, and really following you on Instagram and seeing all the different ways that you have helped women, whether they've had a nerve issue in their face or, um, you know, Bell's palsy or some sort of issue where now they have, a you know, something has changed within the structure of how their face looks and it makes them feel insecure. It makes them feel like that's the first thing people notice. And I just loved your desire to help women feel like they're presenting the way they feel inside that they're presenting mm. that on the outside, like that they would feel like their best self. And so I started following you and I loved how many, um, older adults that you, you know, a lot of ladies who had no brows back from the no brows generation, pencil it on yep. and how, how you, you really make the face look its absolute best. It's like, you just take the beauty that's already there and you bring it to life almost. Um, and it's not almost, but actually. So I think that's what really took me. And then I was really taken by you as a person. So I'm really excited to have you for those reasons and have my millions of listeners get to know Meredith. Yay. Well, I am so thrilled. I'm so thrilled to be doing that. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Let's get to it. Um, I wondered if you could tell my listeners whether or not 12 year old Meredith would have imagined she would be the living the life you are living today? 100% no. 100% no? Yeah, 100% no. I knew that as a 12-year-old Meredith, I knew that there had to be something else that was um, healthier and um, more inspiring and felt better. But I didn't know what that would look like. There was... Um, pretty limited examples in my immediate environment. I grew up in a, um, a very um, secluded place, not so much in the like geographically, but just it was on a on an Aboriginal reserve and just the nature of that particular space. Um, it was very isolated and there wasn't a lot of um, healthy examples mm -hmm. of relationships um, of people doing what makes them feel good. There was a lot of different types of abuses. And so at that age, I think I just knew something had to be uh, better. There had to be something more um, joyful in the future. But again, I didn't exactly understand what it could look like. I just, it was a feeling. So 
did I think that my future could feel like this? Yes, 100%. But did I think it would look like this? No, because I didn't know what feeling good would could look like. (laughs) So yeah, I, um, I knew it had to be better, but I didn't know what it would look like. Well, and something I'm so passionate about is the importance of young girls being in proximity with women, doing hard things, challenging things, stepping into big things or things that they dream of and stuff. And I think that's so interesting because I know sometimes people say, um, is there is there a woman in this space where you want to go? Can you look to that woman? And so often I've been like, no, there's no one in that space that I could look to. And it's just really interesting. It makes me think more about wanting to be in, involved in the lives of young, impressionable women who need to see great, strong, brave, courageous women living their truth and being honest and real and um, really authentic. So that's really cool. And it's cool that you would have exceeded maybe 12-year-old Meredith's expectations even. Yeah, I just I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to be able to wake up and feel like I, I belonged and that, you know, required me to create a space where I belong and find um, friendships in an environment that I feel like I can really fly. So that was 100% up to me. So um, again, I didn't exactly understand what it could look like. I just knew that it could exist. Um, But yeah, and, you know, and, and looking to women in the space, I mean, what I do for work right now, it really came across by me like as a surprise I didn't seek out this type of work and so uh it it wouldn't have been finding a woman in this particular space although that's easy to do because I found that in the beauty industry there are women everywhere who just want to help each other and make each other shine it's pretty amazing um more so than actually any other industry I've worked in it's so amazing uh but just inspiring women who yeah, want to like live a life that just feels really good. You know, that, that was hard to come by, uh, as a young girl. I think it's just that so often they don't know what they're shooting for. They don't know what vision is or what, like, it's just, it takes so much noodling or brainstorming over time, truthfully. Yeah. And I don't think at that age, you necessarily, like, I, I think it's impossible to ask a child to know what they want. Um, but you can install um, the desire to learn how to navigate yourself and that desire in yourself, like, or sorry, desire to know yourself, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's important to install in younger people to give them the tools that they know how to navigate their path. Absolutely. So can you take us on a little journey of Meredith, um, you know, getting, I know you didn't just land in this microblading industry and now you're expanding out from there, but can you kind of paint a picture of, you know, kind of how you got to where you are now and where you kind of came from in different industries or what your life's looked like even in the last number of years? Yeah. So cosmetic tattooing, uh, in general came to me quite by accident. I actually went to have my own eyebrows uh, microbladed. It was um, not a particularly successful experience. Um, I didn't know that until about three months in that they were, uh, it was not considered a good job. But the silver lining is, is that when I actually laid down to have my own done, I had a reference or a checklist that I had created not too long before that of um, things that I was looking for in my next career move. And so 
Um, to, to backtrack a little bit, in 2016, I had sold a business. It was a gallery. And at that time, I was also working as a furniture maker. And I needed to leave that uh, path because of some physical stuff that was going on for me, some physical issues in my health. And, um, and at the, as well, I sold the business. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I knew that my partner and I wanted to move out of Vancouver and we, I, again, I didn't really know, like I had, I was actually panicking. That's why I'm kind of stumbling on my words. I was panicked and I don't get panicked very often. So it was a very uncomfortable and unfamiliar feeling for me. Yeah. And I would say for about one whole year, I picked the most random possible job ideas. Like, um, I was going to start a YouTube channel with Barbies doing interior decorating. Like that was pretty <laughs> far-fetched and weird. And so, um, but creative I, for sure. Yes. Your creativity. <laughs> and so I just kept going through like lists of like jobs. Like, do I want to be a YouTube person? And do I want to like, maybe I want to be a luxury travel agent. And I just kept coming up with all of these possible jobs that I didn't really know anything about and just picked them for like, well, it would be fun to create little interiors every day and these little micro sets and film it. But then when I really sat down about it, you know, and thought about it, I didn't really want to be online that much. So I was in this very um, narrow minded state uh, and I was panicked and I was a bit desperate and I thought I have to get something secured so that we can move to a remote place. And I had no idea what that was going to look like. And so I went and had my eyebrows done and thankfully something inside of me had said, Meredith, what you're doing is not working. You need to evaluate um, possible jobs and career paths differently. So what I was doing was I was just grasping at titles of like job nice. names, uh, nice. descriptions. And so instead I sat down and I made a very clear list of all of the things that I excelled at in the business that I had created and in my furniture making or any other endeavors that I felt like I really kind of soared at, I made this very clear list of all the things that I knew I was good at. And then I crossed off everything that didn't ignite me. So just because I was good at it doesn't mean um, it makes me feel good or that my soul becomes alive. Right, right. So then I narrowed the list down a little bit more. And then I made another list of all of the things that I loathed. <laughs> think about my other <laughs> adventures. And because of that list and because of the clarity, I no longer was trying to fit in something like a box, like a description that I read online or something like that. I just had this list of like basically adjectives and verbs <laughs> and like yeah. just something like that was inspiring to look at. And like I said, I went in to get my eyebrows done and I laid there and I thought, oh my gosh, this matches everything on my list. I want to work with women. I want to create a space. I want to create a brand that's more fun and vibrant than the last business that I had. Um, I don't want to work online as much. So yeah, it just ticked literally every single box that I had on my list. If somebody had said to me even an hour before I got into my appointment that they said I was going to be in the beauty industry in a year from then, I would have laughed at them. I said, who do you, you know, you don't even know me. But not the case. It matched. It matched everything. And so I had to explore it. And it turns out that I'm pretty damn good at it. Yeah, and you are. I love it. I light up all the time. And primarily, I mean, it, the, the tattooing part is a tool. But 
it's the relationships I get to build and that intimacy I get to share with women every day and the fun that I get to have with my branding messages. And like you had said earlier, it's about um, finding, like working with that woman's natural beauty. And what I really mm -hmm. loved what you said was about um, helping her look the way she feels. That's absolutely correct because it's really important to me that people know that I'm not trying to like let them uh i'm not trying to fix them they're not broken yeah, yeah exactly and uh so i i appreciate that you said that yeah well it's it's i think it's just when i saw what you actually do and how it's almost like math i don't know is that math the way you like take all the things i had in math class and you lay them on my face like those what yeah. are things called well, well it's it is it's the golden ratio yeah. So the calipers, I use the calipers yes. and yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of precision, which parlay is really nice with my former woodworking career. Totally. And then there's science and chemistry and, you know, those things are all really great. And um, I'll learn other, you know, um, once I get past eyebrows, I'll learn other cosmetic tattooing techniques and they'll be all the same types of skill set. Um, but the relationships won't be different. That's still the same yeah. core part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good because I'm going to want all of that done so I can just wake up and like shower, maybe, or not <laughs> yeah. shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, have to, not have to touch anything. Okay, so you're saying you would recommend that people then write down a list of what they absolutely get, they feel alive when they do. They are fired mm -hmm. up by, can you like just, so I could like have people, if they want to like pause this or they could put this, are there like a few points that you would have just said that people should do. I think that's so smart. And I love that you said, what do I loathe? Right? Like, cause that matters too. So could you yeah. just like lay those out really quickly in a few points? Yeah, I think it's about, again, just knowing yourself. So I was looking for, before I created that list for that year, that I kept landing on zero, basically. I would explore something, I'd give myself a month to explore it. If I felt like after a month of genuinely looking at it, if it didn't ignite me, I, it was gone. And that whole year, I just did that on repeat, rinse and repeat. And it was getting um, extremely frustrating and quite scary, which made my panic feeling uh, even right. greater. So when I sat down to create that list, first of all, I noticed that it wiped the slate clean. It helped actually reduce the anxiety because I changed my perspective. I changed my focal point. My focal point was what's the job that I fit in. And I'm not the most hireable person. I've always done better when I can lead my own project. Yeah. And so I kept trying to fit into something, which um, it didn't feel good. So when I, once I changed my perspective and I was like, okay, I've got to be clear about um, what I want. And what I had realized was I was trying to fit into all these other descriptions and things like that to serve others when actually I just really wanted to figure out my best way to serve people. And once I changed that perspective and figure out how do I best show up for people, I started finding uh, words and situations and examples from my work that I had done. So for example, I opened the gallery simply because as a furniture maker, I would find people would contact me to make um, a certain piece of furniture. And it might have been outside of my skill set or maybe it was out of my interest. And so what I would do is like connect them to another maker who I believed in and they would go off and make the furniture. 
well, I kept getting told over and over again, you know, you're really great at creating relationships. And so that, and I was like, well, I'm doing this a lot. Maybe I should make some money off of it. So that's how I created right. the gallery. So I, I listened to that. Not only what do I like, but it's sometimes helpful when somebody else repeats back what they see. So I, that was one of the ways I created my list was I also, um, put out a, a request to my group of friendships, uh, um, like through Facebook, at all, but also through the gallery and the people who I'd served through that. And said, so what do you see in me? Like, where do I shine? And is there something that you think that I, where I don't shine? And I, I took that and I was very um, thoughtful about who I asked that of. And so I part, I, I, I guess I um, dovetailed <laughs> to use my furniture reference. Um, the two together, the two lists. So I looked at my internal, um, my, I guess my natural compass of where I navigate to, where I lean to, um, what assets I felt like I flourished at, right. or sorry, what assets I, where I really flourish. And then I looked at my close community who had direct, uh, relationships with me on, on, you know, business or, um, communications and things like that so I merged those two together to create my list that is so so cool and I think what's really neat about it is I just had to whenever I'm writing stuff down just so you know I'm not like ignoring you I'm writing my grocery list you know it's okay I get it (laughs) (laughs) but you are you are a true entrepreneur and it's so neat because I'm thinking of all the people who don't like to get messy they're maybe not living their best life but they're you know they maybe don't love what they're doing and yet what they're doing is maybe they're teaching or they're, they're in a box. They're in a box that made sense at one point in their life. Maybe when they were 22 and they were going to university, they're like, I'm going to go into this box. Then they start to realize I'm really not happy in the confines of this role. And when you just said, you know, you kept looking at certain things, but it really didn't fit you. And it makes me think about how you were so creative and that's obviously just like you are creative to your absolute core of your being. But for a lot of people, that's hard. But I think that's a call for people that are dissatisfied and they know in their heart that there's something else or something different or more that they want to be doing a call to step out of that box and to do the hard work of, like you said, you had all that anxiety regarding, you were starting to get nervous, but then you sat down and you started to write it out. And I think so often we need that brain dump because that brain dump helped you step outside of the box. You knew you couldn't be confined, you know, maybe to your classic nine to five or whatever. Um, and you need, you obviously have such a creative drive in you that you knew you had to fill that. And most jobs push that out of you, like a lot of times, right? Except certain industries. So I think that's a really good call to people who are a little bit dissatisfied to do some brainstorming and get some stuff down and then be willing to step out of the box that you're in. Do you, does that make sense? It does. And something that you just said, I think is really important to point out too, is that um, when you, if you're not a person who is say an entrepreneur in their soul and they are looking for um, a workplace, I think that it's also like, that's fabulous if they know themselves well enough to find the right role. And one of the things I think was really obvious to me in that more desperate time was I was, I was like, well, look at that list. That, that sounds like that could be fun. And, and that one aspect of the job 
should be interesting enough for me that it should drown out all the other things to it that just make me want to like stab my eyeballs out with a fork or something, right? Like I kept finding myself saying stuff like that. Um, Which is I guess like settling. settling. Yeah, yes, settling for I was sure. settling and, and, not, and, and it didn't feel good. And I, yeah. I realized that I'm a really hard worker and I have a lot of ideas and I have a lot of joy, um, yeah. you know, in my, in my day to day. And I didn't want to, to go into employment for a paycheck where I felt like that was going to be squelched because, um, totally. if I'm going to work really hard, I want to make it count. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I guess, okay, so a concrete list of actions to do, I would say stop looking for titles and descriptions because you're only going to um, have in the list things that you already know exist. And I didn't even know this job title existed. I hadn't even, I didn't, I didn't even know what cosmetic tattooing was. Like I was this, uh, you know, a tomboy who wears like motorcycles, to, drives a motorcycle to work and wears dirty clothes and had glue stuck on me from like whatever I was sculpting. And, you know, it was like, I, I was not a girly girl, although most of my friends would probably counter that, but <laughs> I didn't see myself as that. So I didn't really know that industry existed. So if I relied on what I knew to find my next happy, I don't think I would have gotten there. And it was this having this more um, seemingly abstract list that once that opportunity of what my next career could be presented itself, the list didn't look abstract anymore. It was, right. it looked actually complete. So I think that would be a really great way of starting is just create the list of words that feel like it resonates with you and be very clear. Um, you know, I'm, I know that I'm a, I know that I'm really good at uh, being genuine with people and genuinely interested in their needs. Mm -hmm. And that's really important for people to feel safe because they yeah. need a connection. Um, you know, safety is not about the lack of, um, of uh, threat. It's, it's the connection, the ability to have connection. So I knew that was a, that something I naturally come by. So that was on my list, for example. That's really interesting yeah. too, because you're right. There's no more vulnerable place. Well, that's probably not true. I was going to say to have tattooed, but I'm <laughs> sure there are some pretty vulnerable places, but from the, the perspective that you don't like people that are controlling, right. They don't know how this is going to look when you're done there, right. you know, and so that you're right. That is very, there is a very big element there of trust and safety and they have to know that like, and that's why I felt so safe, even because you asked questions. I didn't even imagine someone would ask before you did it to make sure that I was a good candidate for your, what you were doing. Right. Yeah. They have to know, you know, just that it's a safe environment that I'm going to be respecting their health, but also that, um, they know that they've been heard. So I yeah. know that I'm giving them something that matches what it is that they desire. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. So that, yeah, that's probably what I could suggest for, if you were going to approach any problem solving, really. Any sort of change. Then, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. That's, that's a call for people to know, like, truly what they want and who they are and what fires them up. And I think that's like, and people, a lot of, 90% of people I want to make up that until they start asking themselves that, at first they ask and they have no idea, but then it starts to develop and it slowly opens like a flower. Um, something that, that keeps coming up to me, so I'm going to ask about it is, did you have like one of the next questions I want to talk about are barriers, whether they were mental blocks or physical or 
you know, like I know you were struggling a bit physically in the industry that you were in woodworking and making furniture and stuff, but do you have any mental or literal bridges you had to cross? But something that keeps coming up is judgment of the, um, of this industry that you might've had to change your mindset around or step out of. Can you explain kind of what you had to maybe what bridges you had to cross as well as maybe barriers as far as like judgment yeah. of an industry? Yeah. Well, it's actually less, well, yeah, okay. It is actually judgment of the industry, but I think uh, my biggest hurdle was me getting over myself. I could yeah. be, I mean, honest, I had found that, so I would go to a lot of networking events in Vancouver and uh, these events would attract all different types of people, but often they were, um, you know, like your typical city jobs. I don't know what really that means, but <laughs> I just found there was like, like corporate a certain, kind of? yeah, corporate, corporate um, but also being that I was in Vancouver, there was a lot of like the startup culture. Right. So a lot of like tech businesses and stuff like that. So I go to a lot of these networking things and um, I just enjoyed them. I thought yeah. they made me a better person at uh, networking and communicating. Um, there weren't a lot of people there that were ordering custom furniture or necessarily going to my gallery, but I enjoyed it. I also um, wrote for the province paper on art and culture through BC. So that gave me an opportunity to also connect with people and possibly interview them. So right. I loved going to these and I found, you know, you kind of stand around your little group of like eight people or whatever, having your, your drink and chatting and you just, you, you know, people generally introduce themselves and say what they do. And I often would find, you know, somebody would say, oh, I'm, I'm a graphic designer. And another person would say, oh, I'm an interior designer. And someone else would say, I'm an IT. And then I'd say, oh, I'm a furniture maker. And every single time the energy would shift and people would be like, whoa, tell me more about that. Right. First of all, it was an unusual job to have in that specific type of environment. So I do need to state that. Um, it wasn't because the other jobs were less interesting. It's just that mine was more, uh, less common. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was it, in that specific type of environment. And I found that I really liked that yeah. and I liked being unique. And when I made the decision to switch and start training in cosmetic tattooing, I didn't tell anyone for six months because I was so, um, hung up on this role as a furniture maker and a gallery owner, I didn't fully think through, but being a cosmetic tattooer that I'd be able to actually open my own studio. Like I was just in the beginning of the training. So it hadn't really created a whole path for myself. I, I work a little right. bit like that. I work in bite-sized pieces. I am a long-term visionary person, but I, if I'm something's very new to me, I like to just like get down and hunker in and learn it before I go off into la la land of visionary, because right. I don't exactly know what I'm in store for. Right. So I, I didn't know that I'd be able to be like my own boss again and do all of these things that I thrive on. And I, I felt like my role was threatened. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't tell anybody. So I, I did, ha that was a really big hurdle for me because I felt like I, ha I don't know, I felt lesser than for some reason. I know this all sounds really strange. And if anybody is in a cosmic tattoo industry or anything like that, like it's not to say that it isn't extremely um, uh, valid or inspiring. I love what I do, but I had my own personal hang up about what I thought being in the beauty industry meant versus 
being uh, a woman as a furniture maker, um, you know, doing these, uh, you know, I had done construction and stuff like that. So I had hangups about what I thought it meant to be a woman in the beauty industry. Right. I thought it was a cliche. And yeah. I liked not, I liked being unique, which is in a way when you're trying sort of to be unique, it's a cliche in itself. So it's <laughs> ironic, but anyways, yeah. um, uh, like a barrier for me that I had to get over. And once I did, I, I can say that, um, I feel like I'm actually even more myself now than I used to be. Cause I feel like I actually was trying really hard to fit that role. And yeah. I just, I'm just like this, the role that I have played now um, working with women and being in the beauty industry. Like I, I feel like I'm a little baby compared to some of these women where I see them I'm like, wow, you're so polished and put together. But I love that I have the perspective of working with other women in trades. So I have been around a lot of women who, um, really don't care what they look like and they don't put a lot of energy towards it. And that created a really healthy relationship within themselves and their own identity. And so I really actually appreciate that foundation that I've had to come into the beauty industry where women can sometimes feel uh, or express, I should say, in my presence, um, thoughts about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my perspective coming from that other world has really helped balance that conversation out. That's really neat. Really unexpected, I think. Um, and, and you're so right. Like about, I noticed that because I think I always want people to know that their worth is like there before they even have a job, right? Like you have, you mm -hmm. have your worth way, way back, but you're right. The whole world is like, so what do you do? So what do you do? So what do you do? And, and it's, it's interesting because that's where people find their identity. Right. And it's how we put yeah. other people in a box. I'm like, Oh, so you do that. So you're in this box and we all like things kind of neat and tidy. Um, but no, I think that's really, that's really, that's a great, that's a great literal bridge. And I think most of us, if we're honest, it's some level of, we're looking for the permission of others, or we had some, you know, we were operating out of our insecurities. There's so much of those like bridges that are just, you know, barriers in our own mind or are working through a processing through, um, some of those judgments that we have. So I think that's, that's really interesting. And I think it is the theme that I've seen consistent for me throughout my whole life. Your vocation is just a vehicle for whatever is truly inside of you. Um, you know, it's the vehicle to, to drive that, whatever's meaningful to you. So for me, joy is incredibly important. I think um, true inner joy is so easy to achieve with just a little bit of self-reflection, it didn't matter what the vehicle looked like. So I think the theme for me is joy. And that was something that uh, actually in the um, gallery in particular, I, was, I struggled to meet that. It, it wasn't the best fit for me because it was primarily an online business model so that the artisan would be able to keep um, a higher percentage of the sale. Oh, okay. So there was no... Um, physical location our physical locations were um were you know um pop-ups and right. being like a guest appearance in other people's uh venues so um that online presence and working online all the time really sucked my joy from me mm -hmm. um it wasn't a place that i really thrived and i think that was really important to for that was an important reason why i sold it well, and I think what's interesting really hits me about that is that that goes back to you making that list. Because when you said don't put jobs, don't list jobs, list 
certain things that you know you need. Like I often want an easier life. It's like a struggle of mine. And I'll be like, I'll be, when I was at a laundromat last year before we had our house, I would sit there and watch the lady who works at the laundromat. And I was like, this looks like, I just like, she gets up, she just comes here. She doesn't have to dress up. She, like I just, there was something in me that was so curious about what was easy and having that life. But anything you look at that I'll do, well, it's not very long before I'm like managing the laundromat or like I, I just always find that leadership. But my joy is people. My joy is leading people. And my absolute like like life goal is to love people through that's my like if yours is joy mine is love so i want to love them and grow them and that's why i'm in business right and so i always say i want to love people with a side of business you're right though i can love people through this podcast i can love people through writing a book like so you're right it's um accessing that core value every day I'm going to have that satisfaction regardless of which path I'm using to take it, whether it's a book or a podcast or like leading people in an office. Yeah. It's a tremendously freeing experience when you can uh, release from the parameters of whatever it is you've created and it becomes more of like a, an overarching goal. Yeah. And so I love that you recognized really early that you didn't want to be in that box. And I think a lot of people, I even have staff sometimes that I hire that are so entrepreneurial minded that they struggle in a nine to five office environment because it can feel to an entrepreneur that can feel like prison. And so I mm -hmm. love that you identified that. Um, Actually, I think that was through the help of a few people that hired me that <laughs> so they, I remember the day where I was told that I was presenting too many ideas that were outside of the scope of my job. And keep in mind, I was a barista at a coffee shop. And, oh my um, gosh, that's funny. I, yeah. And I, all sorts, I would come in with all sorts of ideas. Like I was thinking about your branding message last night and this is like 20 years ago, or I, I tried to you know, install a recycling program. And I, I just remember being told over and over again, like that's outside of the scope of your job, Meredith. Like <laughs> I just thought, but, but it's, you know, like, <laughs> so I just kept finding myself always generating ideas. And I knew I actually, I, what I knew was that I would probably drive people insane if I was working for them, if, if that's not what they wanted from me. And two, I would start to resent right. probably any position I had if I couldn't exercise my uh, desire to explore ideas and stuff like that in a way that felt healthy. Oh my gosh, that like kills me. That is so funny. Yeah. And I think um, that it's important just to note at this at this stage too, just so that people listening feel inspired uh, and not maybe like down on themselves. For example, I knew that I was at a stage in my life that um, it was important for me to create something that was going to be really exciting for me and that I could carry through for a long time and put the energy in. Um, money wasn't my driving force. And to be perfectly honest, there's only been a few times where money has been a driving force. It's not because I'm independently wealthy. It's because I grew up poor and I'm frugal as there you go. So, like, yeah. so yeah. I know how to make a dollar go really far. And so a lot of my decisions have been felt based or like heart based. Like they, I, a lot of my decision-making, it's got to be something because I'm, I'm curious about something and I want to go explore it. So I'm very fortunate that way. I don't have a family that I have to feed. I have a really great partner. We create everything we need together, but we don't have children, you know, yeah. and until, um, you know, when we, we um, moved to the island to buy a house, 
this, but until two years ago, we rented in Vancouver. Like I've right. traveled all over the world. I've been quite independent. So I think it is important to, to know I am in this job. I might feel stifled, but I'm in this job to make money, but I can use this time to figure out what my next step is. And I can ask myself different questions so that you do go, okay, yeah, I feel like I am stifled in this job. Why am I stifled? Is it just because you know, whatever, X, Y, and Z, but to have clarity about that is huge. And that's how you do make steps that are healthier for you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's amazing. Um, and I have a quote that says, confidence is not, will they like me? Confidence is I'll be fine if they don't. And that's by Christina Grime, I think is her name. And so it was just, it's interesting. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about look good, feel good. But yeah, so I think about that. And I do know, like my husband even said, he's like, when I get my golf clothes on and I know that, and he's a good golfer um, and he looks really hot in his golf clothes, which doesn't really totally isn't relevant, but I just like to say it. But he says, he's like, I feel really good when I drive to the course. Like I feel really good. And I know that you know, when I, um, I know it doesn't change what's inside me, but I think it does change that I don't care what other people think because I feel so good on my own. Do you have any thoughts on that? Look good, feel good? Well, I think like any quote, a person's going to run with it from their just their own perspective. So right. if we take a quote and it stays flat, like look good, feel good. And I just take it for like the most superficial level that it can be looked at. That's about presenting something on the outside so that I feel good on the inside at the most superficial level. But I personally feel it's a great quote because like your husband, I like to dress up for whatever the occasion is. It's a unique 1950s party dress that I wore to a brunch. Um, right. That's a conversation starter. If it's my armor, oh, it's, okay. it's when I get on, on uh, it's when I get on my motorcycle and I put all my leathers on and I'm like ready for business. Like I'm going to, I'm going to take on that road and I'm going to lay that. pavement. Like and you know, but, <laughs> but when I wear like, um, not that I wear jeans very often on my motorbike because I am kind of pro safety and anti-road rash. Yeah. But like if I put on my jeans and get on my motorbike to go somewhere local yeah. and I'm, I'm on my motorbike for a form of transportation. When I put on my leathers and I get on my motorbike, I'm there for like the ride. You right. know, it's a completely different experience. So for me, I also, I feel like I look really damn good in my leathers. Like yeah. I'm all like this nice little tight package, all like bundled up and I'm safe. Yeah. But I also know that I look slick and that yeah. just makes me feel really good. You wear something that's going to make you feel like you're in yourself and you're powerful and you've got your confidence and it's not false. All it is, is parlaying it with what you feel inside. So yeah. back to what you had said earlier about helping women look the way they feel inside. I think clothes are just an extension that like clothes are just a costume that gives us access to play different parts and roles. And to your point, yeah, look good, feel good. When you talk about presenting yourself, that could be another way of interpreting that quote because presenting yourself isn't just about the fashion. So if people have a right. hang up that it's just about fashion, it's actually just in general, how you present yourself. And you know what, we would be fooling ourselves if we didn't like, we can say, well, it doesn't matter how I look it matters who I am. And that is true. 
But we all know that when we hand in a resume on a piece of paper and 200 applicants are handing in a resume on a piece of paper, it's very rare that that paper is going to stand out. You need to go up and above and beyond. You have to right. call the office. You have to show up at the office. You have to somehow make connections to whoever it is hiring through LinkedIn or whatever your channels are. Like you can't rely on just that paper getting through. So if you're not stepping up and visually giving someone an anchor, Right. Um, you know, you have so much power yes. with that. I think it's a fun way to be a part of this world. Yeah. I do. I really think playful clothing is a big, but it's fun. It's playful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm primarily vintage. I do all like almost vintage clothes shopping and secondhand shopping and stuff. So I, I, I just like presenting in that way and it feels good. So our last fun questions. So just a couple quick fun questions. Um, what is one thing you would tell 16 year old Meredith? Mm, good one. Um, I think you're enough. Yeah, I think that because I've never had any problems with, um, you know, being curious, like, you know, buying plane tickets and going places with no money in my bank account, like all of that stuff, taking chances, change, all of that, never been an issue for me. But to know that um, I was enough has definitely been, a, that was a challenge. So I think that would be the advice I'd give. But you are, you're enough. You're pretty darn good. <laughs> pretty darn good. Okay. What is saving your sanity right now? Could be funny, could be serious, could be whatever you want. Oh, okay. Uh, new bedding. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I just got some new bedding. I felt like I, I felt like I've been trying. I am so princess in the pea when it comes to sleeping and bedding. I'm like, <laughs> there's this, there's this really great photo I have where my partner, um, he, uh, this is a few years ago. He, I have this thing with pillows. So like, like he texts me in every night. I go to bed about two hours before he does, and I'm always like have this pillow ritual. I have to pull all the pillows out. I have to find the four that are mine and I give him one. And then <laughs> so it's this thing and he just patiently waits for me to do it. I'm always complaining about the sheets feeling like scratchy and then they're like, they don't get tucked under properly. So I have this like ongoing battle with bedding. And um, one it. time I came home and all the pillows were piled up on my side of the bed and Mark had cut out a piece of plywood, the size of a pillow and put it on his side of the bed. <laughs> so yes, I have a relationship with bedding and I feel like la about two months ago, I finally got bedding that has exceeded my expectations. I wash it and I'm like always going like, fingers crossed. It's not going to come out scratching. It has, still has not been scratchy. It's the prettiest color of pink. I feel like I'm like I'm in like a cloud every time I get in it, a cozy cloud. And it's like, I love it. So that actually, it's been giving me better sleeps and I love my bedding. So I think that's, that might be it. So where is it from? Well, while we were just talking, I walked over and looked and it's Mont, Montebello, M-O-N-T-E-B-E-L-L-O, fine linens, made in Ordered India. It online? Online? No, I got them at HomeSense. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure everyone, but I think you this can. podcast has been there recently and if not, they're going this weekend. So yeah. <laughs> we will look for Montebello. That's awesome. I will have to check that out. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> and where can my millions of listeners find you? Um, well, if people want to talk about cosmetic tattooing. So, um, one thing I'd love to offer out is not everybody is obviously going to be living on Vancouver Island um, and have access to me. But if anybody wanted to get cosmetic tattooing and they wanted to understand how to find a quality uh, technician and somebody that they think they would connect with, I have a really great PDF that helps um, them know what questions to ask. 
so that they can make sure. Yeah. So it's a great, this is great to kind of feel like you've got some power when you go in because you, you know, I, before I trained and then I had no idea what, I didn't ask anything. I just said, put them on my face. And then three months later, I was like, hmm, probably should have researched that. (laughs) Take them off my face. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they can, um, reach out to me that way. And so my website is flamingoroom.ca. And then you are on Instagram because I want people to go and look at these brows. Like they are spectacular. (laughs) Well, the flamingo room in Parksville, that will always, that will always remain. So, um, I just definitely, I want people to go check you out on Instagram because that's where I, just fell in love with you. And I love your branding. You're so creative. You're so smart. It's such an honor to be able to like talk to you and now call you a friend. And obviously we're going to get together and hang out because we decided that we're just like meant to be friends. Um, That's right. Yeah. But I absolutely love it. I love everything you have to say. I love everything that you represent and the joy and the hope that you give people through your own story and through your own, just like re new metamorphosis, like in your late thirties or early forties. I think that is just that takes a lot of courage, a lot of audacity, and a lot of people probably dream of that, but they feel like they can't do it. And so I hope that they hear your story today and they see how that is possible. And you just have to do some brainstorming and take some, some steps, but your life is worth, it's worth living a great life. Thank you so much, Jody. I'm honestly, I was so thrilled that you reached out to me. It was, it's truly a joy to be here. was so much fun. Thanks so much for being here. Please click subscribe, rate and review this podcast, share it with everyone you know, and I will be back here next week with more stories, more courage, more vulnerability, and just a little more Jody to brighten your day.